From Midwestern Seminary, I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. And this is The Heart of Pastoring. Paul says that the pastor... Why are you laughing? Because you just start right in. What? All serious. That's what we're doing. Oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah. Because well, we already have the pre-recorded intro. We've got a pre-recorded intro. Yeah. But in let's the not... last episode, I said we're going to yuck it up. I didn't mean this early. Well, I was we going to say, I mean, you just start beginning. right in with Paul, assuming everybody knows what Paul you're you, talking about. You know what? You you run the podcast. Let's well, start it. No, you, I don't want to run the podcast. You, you start. I run too many things. No, start it. Go ahead. I don't even know what we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> okay. Can I start? Yeah, I okay. mean, it's, it's it's your podcast. Paul, who is an apostle that's in the there Bible. You read that? Well, I grew up with a buddy named Paul, so I don't know if you were talking about him and referencing <laughs> I mean, him from the fourth grade. you just asked me offline, who's Elijah? <laughs> <laughs> you did. Don't lie. You said, who's Elijah? You, no, liter- you literally asked not no, 35 seconds No, I'm not saying I didn't say ago, that, but I'm saying Who's Elijah? <laughs> and I said, um, he's like only the major prophet of the Old oh, Testament. Oh, my gosh, man. You're really <laughs> twisting this. This is how things go bad in did, church did leadership. You, did you or did you're you not You're just twisting say my words. Who's Elijah? How are we even friends? How are we doing this pod together? <laughs> It's incredible. You know what? Paul says in 1 Timothy 3 (laughs) (laughs) that an overseer must be above reproach. We talked about that in the first episode. Uh And then he says an overseer must be the husband of one wife. There's a wealth of things to talk about there, the husband of one wife. Let's get a couple of things out of the way. This isn't going to be the major thrust of the episode, but okay. sometimes people read this and they think an elder has to be married. Right, right. Because of this qualification. You agree with that? The pastor's got to be a married guy? No, of course not. Oh. Okay. Yeah. How, how come? Why doesn't that? Well, the husband of one wife, he didn't say he must be married and be the husband of one. It just means that he he has to be somebody who is faithful okay. to the woman that God has brought into Some people his life. translate it as one woman man. A one woman man. That's, that's the, the major thrust of it. So it's to say if he is married, yeah. it may have contextual connections to those who may be engaged in polygamy. So there's that. Does it have to do, let's talk for a second about the guy who's divorced and remarried. Does that mean he's immediately disqualified because he's divorced and remarried? Well, I think it depends on, you know, I mean, divo- you know, Jesus gave some allowances for divorce. So okay. I certainly don't think I, this would be one my of opinion. people that think that? Okay. Yeah, I don't, I think that there's some. <laughs> I think that too. But, well, okay. <laughs> uh, well, but Jesus gave allowances. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty clear. Um, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Really? Oh, okay. All right. We're not going there, but. All right. Yeah. I don't want to act like it's just a. Well, he did give an allowance. Are, when I'm it, sure we have listeners that are like, no, that well, know, it's not clear, and I don't, I don't want to. I think it's clear when it comes to adultery. Yes, flipping I mean, with it, Jesus yeah. did give an allowance. I mean, there are those who that. think, yeah. you know, who have what's called the permanence view, is to say that yeah. even if it's a biblically allowable divorce, well, they would say there's no biblically allowable divorce. Yeah, but there are are those who then he have kind of a subset view of that, which is to say one one marriage, and if you're divorced for whatever reason, biblically allowable or not, or Remarriage is not an option. Yeah, yeah, and and you and I are not in that camp. But we're yeah, just, I would not I be in that camp. Acknowledge and that there is a camp. That that camp is there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we would say that yeah. there are some biblical allowances for divorce. Yeah, sexual immorality, and I, I think that's the category. So like, I think abuse falls into that. I agree. So I, I agree. Physical sexual I would abuse hold to falls that. into yeah. sexual immorality. So we're not saying that the pastor can't never you know can never have been divorced. We we want to go case by case basis. Is it you know what were the the reasonings? How long ago? All yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. So now that we've addressed those things, let's talk about faithfulness. Yeah. That's really what we want to talk about. Yeah. I I'm think sure. So. What I didn't want to do is is talk about that and 
it just seems like a glaring question. People are going to be listening going, okay, but what is, you know, what if I'm single? Can I be a pastor? You didn't even mention that. Or I'm divorced. Yeah. And we're saying, um, in our view, you could be a divorced and remarried person. It just depends on, was it biblically allowable? What are the circumstances? And different churches, different elder teams are obviously going to have different views on that. So we can only say what we would you know, what we would allow what our, our personal own, view is in our own church. Let's talk about being a one woman man. Yeah. You, you and I are both one woman. It's not the same woman because <laughs> then she would be a two man woman. It would, it, we right. really wouldn't be here. Math right? We wouldn't be here doing the podcast. We, are each, if, we each yes. have our own woman. Correct. And we are one women. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's plural women. One women. Could you say that? We're, we are, we are each one, one. We are each a one woman, woman man. man. Yeah. We needed the A in there. Yeah. yeah. And, I don't know about you, but this has been so. You've been married. You and Melissa have been married for how long? Twenty, almost twenty-nine years. Man, I know it's been a long one. How do you keep the magic alive? You know. <laughs> no, this is my point because Becky and I will have been married th- this year. We'll be married twenty-eight years. Oh man, so you're right there. And yeah. I don't know about you, but the last, I mean, this the middle age years, right? This is supposed to be the midlife crisis time. Yeah. There are things that obviously I'm concerned about as I get older, like my health and things like that. Sure. But in a lot of ways, this has been the sweetest season, mm. not just for me personally, but I feel like for our marriage. Yeah. 28 years in, there's no crisis. The mm. crisis, Lord willing, is behind us. At least I know that there's you know, still hardships to come. But in terms of like relationally, maritally, I feel like this is a really sweet season. I've always loved being married, but I love being married and I love – this woman, and yeah. I love doing things with this woman, and I can't think of anyone that I don't want to spend more time with, mm-hmm. that I that I want to be with. When I want to be with someone, I am a raging introvert, so I do like a lot of alone time. <laughs> There's a lot of time where I just want to be by myself. But when I want to be with someone... <laughs> For that five or ten minutes a day, when you want to be with someone else, Jared, She's the one. <laughs> your wife is the one. That's great. No. That's um, fantastic. And we're empty nesters now, too. Yeah. You guys are empty nesters. I know that. Yeah. Um, and you know we're a few years into that, and mm-hmm. it's just wonderful. Yeah. So let's talk to our listeners <laughs> six minutes into this episode. Let's talk to our listeners about what it means to be husband of one wife in the context of ministry. Yeah. Because this hasn't always been easy. Yeah. At least it hasn't for us. I, you know, no, it's always been easy for you. Okay. Likewise, yeah. So in the early days, as you're kind of feeling out what ministries looks like, what ministry marriage looks like, what were some of the, the things that popped up that kind of compromised these, uh, the experience of marital harmony and, and closeness? As it pertains to ministry, like what yeah. were some of the things that challenged, or at least challenged, the the closeness? I think you know, on a like on a foundational level, I remember in the in the early days, it was just, is this the call? Like, oh, are, are you supposed to be doing this? You know, and this is a long time ago now, but it was just, it, it was it was kind of me talking to Melissa, going like, I I think I'm feeling called to this, and her going, you know, this is not a solo project, is it? Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, no, it's not. And we've always been very serious about that. So at like, this time, you're mainly you're doing the music thing. Yeah, doing the music okay. thing, and but the Lord is obviously closing doors there that we wanted closed. So we're closing doors there, and then other doors that we weren't asking to be open were opening for us on a in a ministry context. And so kind of stepping back, and we're still growing spiritually. We're still, we're still maturing. And it's like, well, you know, wh- what do we, you know, we're not trying to be all like Gideon with the wet, 
you know, cloth or whatever. And it's like, well, is this, are we supposed to pursue this? And this feels odd. And this was never my dream. That would be a fleece. Yeah, sorry, fleece. fleece, Sorry. So Elijah is also a prophet. Oh, that's unbelievable. (laughs) You know what? I I can I'm going to get you a Bible for. Hey, you know what? Maybe I should open the Old Testament every (laughs) once in a while and read that, right? Um, But no, but it was, it was, I think it was, so there was, um, there was, there was a little static even all the way back then Mm -hmm. with, hey, do we do this? What does this mean for our family? Is this going to mean a? Is this a career change? Is this a move? And so my thing from the beginning was, hey, this is not just a calling on my life; it's a calling on our life. And I think, I think for a lot of guys, they have to see it like that. It's not you; it's our. It's not your; it's our. Yeah. And I think that was the first. Th- and I think, I think sometimes it's like what I've had the way I've seen it played out, which is, hey, this is a calling on my life. And my wife is, she's submissive and she just comes along for the ride. And it's like, well, I get that. You know, there, there's an aspect of that, but I think we're framing it wrong. I think it needs to be our, not your. And so from the very beginning, it was like, well, okay, if you're feeling funny about this, we need to explore that because what I'm not asking you to do is just, you know, ride on my coattails and just follow me wherever I go. I want this to be a group project, right? Yeah. Um, and it needs to be for us to have like harmony as the Lord maybe progresses us down this road and, 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 and you know, through this journey. That took, that took a while. That was definitely a process, right? Um, yeah. In terms of that. You know, we came in, Becky and I entered our relationship in 93, 92, 93. I was still in high school. Okay. She was like first year of college. Okay. And she knew I wanted to be in ministry. I don't think she grew up desiring to be a pastor's wife, but there was no, like, I've got to convince her to be pastor's wife okay. or ministry wife. She, we just knew, like, if we're in relationship together, this is the trajectory or this is the vision, this is what we're going to do. As it panned out, there were other challenges and, and, and problems of my own, you know, of my own making. I'll talk about those shortly. But the original sort of thing, like, is she called wasn't a huge issue for us, but I do know it's it's a it's a frequent issue. And I remember speaking once at a men's retreat in in upstate New York, and this guy kind of took me aside during one of the breaks. He said, "Hey, can I ask you some you know for some advice about something?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." He said, "You know, I grew up in in a particular area out of the country, and that's where my background is, my family, and hmm. everything. And I still have a heart to you know do ministry there. I'd I'd love to kind of go back and plant a church hmm. or just go pastor a church in." this place that, you know, where I grew up because it's such a needy area. And I was like, man, it sounds amazing. It sounds great. I'm sure like every region, they need more indigenous kind of leaders and that sort of thing. What, what, you know, what's the issue? He's like, well, my wife, like she doesn't feel called to be a pastor's wife. She doesn't share the vision, not just for moving, but she doesn't mm. want to be in vocation. She doesn't want me to be in vocational ministry. She doesn't want to be a pastor's wife. And he was like, so I like, I should just like, I should tell her to submit to that, mm. right? Like she should just submit. And I said, I said, no, yeah, she should submit to you, but you shouldn't be a pastor. <laughs> yeah. And he was very taken aback by that. And, yeah. I, and, and I'm saying like never because the Lord can change her heart, obviously. Absolutely. But the very idea that he's going to go be a pastor and his wife just needs to, yeah. even though she doesn't, you know, she didn't see that, want to do that. She just has to go along for the ride for it on this major oh, man. decision. This isn't like what you're having for dinner, you know. <laughs> right. This is, you know. And imagine the arguments that have come up with that yeah. over the years. Yeah, but he, he, he found it, you know, he found it mind-boggling that I would say that. But in some ways, even as he wrestled with it, he was asking because he knew this was 
mm-hmm. a huge question. It wasn't just a, you know, a non-issue for him or he wouldn't have been asking about it. So yeah, yeah. there are people who are listening and think, man, you know, I, I believe I'm called into ministry yeah. and I, I'm either looking for a wife or I have a wife who mm. they don't want to be a pastor's wife. What do I do with that? Does my call trump that? What, what would you say to that person? Yeah, it's a great question. I think how I would approach that, I've had that conversation with people before, recently actually. What I would say is that your call is not authoritative. And when, because it's not authoritative, because it's not laid out in scripture as a command, because it's something that takes processing and prayer, if your wife is not on board, I think you just enter a time of waiting yeah. and, and praying, processing, getting counsel. But I think in the waiting, don't discount that God is going to use, if it is a legitimate call, your, again, she's going to have that call too. Eventually. She's going to have that call too. But I think what you're doing in that moment is you're setting up your ministry as saying, my wife t- has my priority. Yes. And like, this yeah. is what the qualification means, right? It's what it means. To be a one woman man. Yes. So when your wife says, you know what? I don't sense that, or I don't feel that. It makes me very uncomfortable. It doesn't mean she'll never get there, but in the moment she's yeah. saying, I don't want to be a pastor's wife. I really don't want that. That, that, that's scary to me, Absolutely. et cetera. That doesn't mean you go, you, well, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Cause this is what the Lord's told me to do. What you're saying in that moment is I'm not a one woman man. Exactly. I'm a, my subjective experience of a call man. Right. Uh, my preferences yeah. kind of went out in this in, relationship. In a sense, you're disqualifying you're yourself disqualifying by yourself. trying to jump into a thing without I know. your wife. I would say that could be experiencing true. Experiencing yeah. the one fleshedness of of this this thing. Well, you're saying too. You're saying like, hey, like it. Part of my call, like you, you are not just like you're, you're not like a, a book on the shelf of my call where I can just grab you, yes. put you in my bag, and then you go along with me, right? Like because we're one flesh. You know, this call is not just about something that the Lord is speaking to my heart, but he needs to be speaking to our hearts. Again, it's the our, not your. And I think you're setting your ministry up from the very beginning. You're setting it down a healthy trajectory. If you're able to look your wife in the eye and go, hey, if you're if you're not there, then we don't go there yet. And I just think that's so healthy and it's so caring and it's so wise and it's so loving. Yeah, the pursuit of this is so so even if your wife is on board the pursuit of partnership so this is where yeah. i ran into trouble yeah. I, I didn't have any trouble sort of convincing becky that ministry is the route she yeah. shared that vision she shared that call she was in a sense you know happy to submit to this call upon my life and and but she wanted it to be our life and where i ran into trouble hmm. where i sort of began to insert these opportunities for conflict is then even as we're pursuing this theoretically together, I'm really kind of leading my own, it's like a separate life. Yeah. So ministry was, as you said, it was like I was, she's riding along with me. She's like the sidekick. Yeah. And I would rely on her in, in, in some instances, but I didn't really bring her in and we didn't really see things together. And this doesn't mean, I don't think to be a husband of one wife and to really experience ministry partnership the way that, you know, I'm trying to talk about it. It doesn't mean that your wife is dictating things or calling the shots or that you have an egalitarian approach to marriage, but it does mean, you know, that the Bible says we are one flesh. Yeah. And it does mean that you're in this together. And yeah. that there is a friendship, a partnership. There is, you know, certainly asking your wife for advice and for counsel and, you know, not just comfort and support, but, 100%. Um, you know, most wives want to feel like they're in this with you, not 100%. just sort of tagging along, but they're in this with you. And, what happens so often in ministry 
And the cliche is right, sacrificing your family on the altar of ministry. But yeah. it's a very common, a very common experience where we kind of are living separate lives. Hundred percent. And I, I began to do that, and it wasn't my intention. I wasn't like trying to say, you know, I just want you to, you know, be happy at home, and uh, I'll bring you in when I want to bring you in. That, that's, but that's what happened. Yeah. I, I didn't have that philosophy as a working thing in my mind, but through my behavior, through the decisions I made through the things that I shared and didn't share, I created yeah. that. I'm thinking of our days like in the church plant, especially where, you know, in the early days of church planting, at least for our church plant, like you're having to do a million different things mm-hmm. because there's so few of you. And Becky was having to work outside of her sense of call and out, mm-hmm. outside of her, you know, even though there were things that maybe she was even gifted for, like childcare and those sorts of things, but it just wasn't, that's not where she saw herself you know, ideally serving. It wasn't her vision. It, it's not her call, but she was having to direct the childcare and the women's ministry and, yeah. you know, all those sorts of things and serve outside of her areas of calling in some ways. And we ended up kind of in our own little spheres, even yeah. though we're doing this thing together. Working my, together, but separate. Yeah. And yeah. in my brain, I'm thinking we're doing this together. But in her brain, it's like, well, I'm not really doing what I want to do and what yeah. I you know, believe the Lord has laid on my heart to do. I'm just doing what needs to be done. And we're kind of running in these opposite worlds. So, I mean, even like physical proximity, there's Sunday after Sunday, she's not in the worship gathering because she's got to be in childcare. So she never hears me preach. She's never with the people singing. She's just, yeah. her experience of church was entirely different than my experience of church. And then I go off and am ministering to people on my own. And she doesn't have that experience either, you know, relationally. Yeah. And so her experience of the church plan is like, oh, it was a miserable you know, experience. <laughs> right. And, you know, and... I guess the goal is not that, you know, ministry is always going to be easy, but if it's a, a misery, it's a misery together. Yeah. And if it's a pleasure, it's a pleasure together, you know? Well, and I think too— How do you get there? Well, I think just to go back a second, like I think it's worth pointing out too, like in a, in a very dangerous way that if you, you know, if you're somebody who's saying, I feel this call in my life and you need to come on board no matter what, I mean, you really are sowing the seeds for some kind of spiritual abuse, right? Because then you can you can say, hey, you can kind of do the, the God told me theology, right? God's telling, God's telling me now that we're supposed to move here. We're supposed to go there. And now, now you're putting your relationship at harm. Potentially, you're putting your family at harm. Because as soon as you say, this is my call or God told me to do this, and there's no conversation and there's no sense of partnership and there's no sense of like trying to understand where your, your wife might be and how you can love her, how you can care for her, how you can consider what God's calling on her life is and how she feels, like the places she feels God is moving her, then, then you've created a whole scenario that is going to be really dangerous down the road and really hard to unwind. And we've seen it just end in in just wreckage, yeah. you know, down the road. And that's just, so I think fr- foundationally from the very beginning, you know, what does it look like to be a one woman man? Well, it's it's to it's to it's to live out that one flesh union in ways that are considerate of where God is not only calling you, but where God might be calling her with you. And so that this thing becomes a together thing rather than a together but actually separate the way you pointed. Yeah. yeah. There's I think there's a a ditch on that side too though that I fell into. So I mm. you know just on the personal side. Yeah. So in my attempt at trying to correct this separate life dynamic, which was not healthy and created conflict and, and a sense of loneliness, you know, for Becky and in some ways that I didn't, you know, understand even for, you know, for me as well. Mm. In the next season of ministry, I'm thinking, okay, but I'm going to bring her in. Mm. And I kind of, 
went about that in an unhealthy way, which would be basically I'm coming home at the end of the day and I've got all these burdens and oh, right. pains and anxieties and I want her to know what's going on. I want her to feel a part of the ministry. Yeah. And so what I would do is essentially unload all of this stuff. Transfer your burden. On her. And yeah. in my brain, I'm thinking, I'm really bringing her in on this. But really what I'm doing You're is bringing some kind her of, down. I'm bringing her down. And <laughs> right. I'm, it's like some kind of, it's cathartic for me yeah. to kind of process this. And then a lot of times I would feel better just mm-hmm. saying it, you know, which yeah. was, you know, sort of a, that should be a clue of like, Okay, say it, but to the Lord, like it's it. There is a catharsis and just sort of processing things out loud. But I was just sort of dumping this stuff on yeah. her. Now I feel better, but now she's like she feels worse. She feels worse. She's yeah. carrying all this stuff, and it doesn't mean you, you know. So this is what I talk about with my ministry students: learning what to share, not to share. It doesn't mean like never share anything with your wife. That's not the. That's not what I'm saying here at right. all. But just like Peter says, you know, elsewhere. He's a guy in the Bible, by the way, the Apostle Peter. I appreciate says, that. Thank you. <laughs> he says, uh, um, to live with your wife in an understanding way. Yeah. Every wife is different. Some have the capacity, yeah. uh, um, you know, that they desire to to know a lot and they can carry mm. that and they can carry it well. Others, like, you're tempting them to just really feel down or even to look at people differently. To sin, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and you don't want to do that. So to live That's with your wife in an understanding point. way is knowing, like, okay, I can dump this stuff because, you know, she's ready for it or she, you know— but maybe I shouldn't. You don't have to share every single thing. She's not the pastor. You're the pastor. But there's an appropriate way to sort of open up. And I think it's so you kind of talked about being considerate. I don't think to bring them in means I've got to dump everything. So now you're in the inner circle with I yeah, am and carrying yeah. the same anxieties I am. You know, part of being the the husband is to shoulder the responsibility, to carry the burden, to nourish your wife. But it does mean maybe asking questions. Yeah. Maybe ask, you know, good questions. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Am I leading you well? Is this, do you mm. feel like this season is an undue burden? I know ministry is not easy. I'm not asking you, like, is everything roses? But are there things that I can be doing that would make this easier that I'm not doing? You yeah, know? that's good. Um, what's your experience of church like? What do you feel when you walk in on Sunday morning? Mm. What do you feel like at the members meeting? Just asking more questions. That brings... You know, that ministers to your wife, and that brings her in in a way that just sort of dumping all the inner stuff. It creates you know, a inner stuff. deeper unity. I've really, you know, that is something I've, that's something that the Lord has given me some growth in because I, I really struggled with that early on. Because my wife and I are, you know, we, we're really, we have a really good friendship. And so what comes with that really good friendship is the ability to express everything. And that's not always wise, though. Yeah. You know, and um, there's proverbs about that. Right. Where we <laughs> where we you know, we, we need to be careful about what we communicate. And I wasn't very careful. And what I realized was that without even being able to articulate it from my side or her side, I was putting burdens on her that were affecting her in very deep ways, given her personality. It's not that she can't carry things. It's that she can't carry everything. And there are certain things that I need to carry that are just going to be harmful for her to have to carry. And so in recent years, the Lord has just given me better wisdom to say, hey, you know, is this something we can talk about? Or is this going to tempt you to sin? Is this going to tempt you to hold something against somebody that you actually don't need to hold against them? Because maybe we're just in a moment and this is something we need to work out, but it's not something you need to work out. It's something I need to work out. And this is going to co- this is going to create, in other words, rather than just being one burden that I think the Lord can give me some, you know, c- can can lighten my load in, 
maybe by sharing it with another person on the elder team or another friend, um, this is going to create actually a wider burden, a bigger burden than it needs to be if I transfer it yes. to you. And so I think there's so, it's wisdom, right, just goes into all of this. A lot of it is, is really just making it all about myself. Like you said, I want to offload something so that I feel lighter. But then you just weighed down your wife with something that maybe she's at a place in her life or she has the kind of personality that actually you're not loving her very well when you do that. And it would help to know what those things are. That requires better communication. Yeah. So our our wives are wonderful. They can carry a lot. They're comforts to us. They're encouragements to us. They're counselors to us. But even the most spiritually mature, weight-carrying wife isn't Jesus. Our wife cannot be our functional Messiah. So yeah. there is their big level up, which is to say everything that we're processing, everything that we're dealing with, all of our cares can go on Jesus. That's he right. can carry them without being tempted. He can carry them without feeling the anxiety. He can carry them without being tempted in any way or being weakened in any way or challenged in any, in, in, in any way. So let's remember to not treat our wives like Jesus. We would be remiss if we didn't, under this category, so we don't have a whole episode on this, but under the sort of one woman man, under the husband of one wife, is sort of the family mm. category. Paul says that the overseer must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. This is 1 Timothy 3 in verse 4. Just a minute or two, we both have adult children. For the person who's listening, there's a lot of questions here. We can't answer them all, and that's not yeah. the purpose of this podcast. But, okay, I've got small children. They're not believers. I've got teenage children. They're not believers. Mm. Is there a cutoff? Like, what do I disqualify myself? What does this mean to have that my children are under control with all dignity. What, is, what does that mean? And how do I know I'm qualified in that area? Yeah, I think this has been, in some ways, a, a more difficult passage to interpret, and there's different interpretations you know, of it. I, I, think, I think if you look at all of the character qualities in First Timothy and Titus as a whole, it just means that the character in which you operate within your ministry is, is going to is going to be duplicated in the household. So somebody who is a, a, a pastor, an elder, living unto the Lord and exhibiting the character traits of Jesus, that's going to tra- that that's going to be the same kind of traits that you exhibit, you know, as as being, you know, father of a household. Yeah. And so, and I think your children are going to respond to those character traits in a way that your congregation is going to respond to those character traits. So, I don't think it's about, in a sense controlling your kids and controlling your family in a way that you can force them to do anything on a spiritual level, but it's it's going to almost be the way that you control yourself around your family, which is then going to have a controlling effect because it's the very character of Christ that you operate within, you know, the, your function within the household. And I think that's really kind of the deeper kind of yeah. element of what, of what Paul is driving at here, I would say. Yeah, I, I mean— we get some context that's helpful, or at least a parallel in Titus. Paul phrases it this way, that the elder would have faithful children. Some translations say believing. Yeah. Right? But faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. I don't think he means you're disqualified if your children are not yet converted right? Um, at, at any age, because you and I can't control that. 
right? I mean, we're not the we, Holy Spirit. We, we want to raise yeah. them in the admonition of the Lord. We want to disciple them well. We want to be, of course, gospeling our children. We want to be sharing Christ with our children. But ultimately, it's all, yeah, it's up to the Holy Spirit whether our child is converted or not. So I don't think Paul is saying, hey, if you have an unconverted child at six, if you have an unconverted child at 16, if you have an unconverted child at 26, yeah. that you're you're disqualified. I don't think he's saying that. But there, I think it's talking about the children in the household. That seems to be the context, yeah. the managing the household. So I think this is children, children who are under your care, your guardianship in particular, that they are, in a sense, disciplined. You're leading well. They're not sort of, you know, he says, not accused of wildness or rebellion. And I, I don't think that necessarily means that you're necessarily a bad dad because people have their own wills, and especially as they get older into teenage years. I think the disqualification is not like a moral failing. It's simply to say that Paul's like, your attentions will be divided. Like you're needed at home. Yeah. If you have children that are really like, you know, who are engaged in in things that, you know, involve unlawful behavior. I mean, you know, they're in trouble with the law or they're into drugs or they're, you know, or maybe it's not even wildness or rebellion. Let's say they've like been victimized in some way. Yeah, I sure. mean, we probably each have friends who have children who've been abused sexually or physically outside the home. Absolutely. Or that sort of yeah. thing. And it's not a moral failing of the pastor that this happened. And yet your home is, you need more attention there. You, That's maybe right. Maybe you need to step back from pastoring for a season to really you know, care for your child and for your family in, the, in in this season. I think that's right. I think that's kind of the larger sense of what Paul's talking about here is to say. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just about being a, a present leader. So the antidote that we would say, yeah. like, the bottom line here is to be a good dad, to be, be a good parent. To be a good parent. There, it's really to be a to, present dad. To make it that simple, be, be present, be a good parent. Um, it's not that you're controlling every minute of the behavior of your children. It just means that you are you are addressing it appropriately the way a good parent is. Again, we can't, we really can't control anything, right. but we are actually addressing things in the household, behaviors of our kids in a way that, that shows gospel parenting. And that's, that's always going to be the best that we can do. Yeah. We're not neglecting anything. We're not overlooking things. We're making sure that our, you know, our, to the best of our ability, our, our children are receiving Jesus-like, gospel-like care from yeah. us. You know? And in the end, if we had to sum it up, is to say the the presence that you're giving here, the intentionality that you're giving here to your family is the best example you could set for your church. The best thing for your church is yeah. not to That's short shrift your family to pour time into this yeah. quote unquote real ministry. The best thing for your church is for you to have a healthy family, for your kids to grow up knowing that dad loves them, for your kids to grow up hearing the good news of Jesus, for your wife to know that she comes first, she comes mm-hmm. before the church. In the end, that's the best thing and healthiest thing for your church. You're setting a good example for them. You're investing in longevity and endurance. If you're short-shrifting your family in some way, it's going to harm the church in the long run because some of the, the issues that are going to result are going to cause rifts, conflicts, temptations, things that could lead to moral failings if given you know, full, you know, full reign in, in your life. So the best thing for your church, you want to love your church well, be a one-woman man. Be a, a, a faithful husband and, and, and a faithful dad. That's where you're needed most. Yes? Yeah. Nailed it. Okay. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, man. <laughs> You've been listening to The Heart of Pastoring with Jared Wilson and Ronnie Martin, a podcast from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Learn more about Midwestern at mbts.edu and for the church at ftc.co.